All right, awesome. Carol Baskin, everybody, uh, CEO and founder of Big Cat Rescue. I'm super excited to have her on my show and, um, you know, I'm really appreciative to, that she took the time. She said it was an extremely busy day, so I uh, really appreciate it. So, um, Carol, thanks again for joining. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's get it. So, um, Carol, I mean, I'm just curious, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, just from your point of view. And, I mean, did you always have a love for animals and, and cats uh, even growing up? And, and just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how that passion started. I was asked recently by People Magazine to deliver some photos of me as a child. And so I was going through a photo album and found a picture. It was apparently one of the first pictures of me after I had just been brought home from the hospital after being born. And my father was holding a cat. My mother was holding me. And on the back of that that uh, picture, it said that the cat's name was Tiger. So I think it was probably written in the stars <laughs> that this was going to happen. I never played with dolls as a girl. I was always a tomboy climbing trees and doing boy stuff, but I had a ragdoll cat that I carried around everywhere. And then when I was eight or nine years old, my uh, grandmother had told me that she wanted me to take my cat and her nine, eight or nine kittens to the shelter. And I didn't know as a child, you know, what happened to cats, but I soon did learn that almost all of them end up being euthanized when they're taken to shelters. And so that's kind of launched me on a path to wanting to save healthy cats and kittens from being killed due to overpopulation. But by the time I was 17, I was raising show cats. And because I spent a lot of time at the vet's offices, whenever a bobcat would get hit by a car, the vets can fix them up really quickly, but then you're talking months of rehab for that cat to get ready to go back to the wild. And they knew I would, I would tolerate any kind of cat. So they would ask me if I would take the cat home, rehab it and release it, which I did. And so I'd been doing that since I was 17. And then when I was in my thirties, my late husband and I were at an auction buying llamas. And this guy comes in with a six month old bobcat that he said his wife didn't want anymore. And because once they get to be about six months old, they pee all over the house, they're, they turn into bobcats, that's what they are. And so the guy next to me was bidding on her and I leaned over and I said, when that cat grows up, she is going to tear your face off. And he said, I'm a taxidermist, I'm just going to club her in the head in the parking lot and make a den decoration out of her. And so I started crying and my husband started bidding and we brought home Winsong and that was what started the sanctuary in 1992. That's incredible. So, I mean, talk about that, like building yourself as like an entrepreneur and business, like that must've been tough to start from, from the ground up. Um, you know, was that always like, it seems like right from the get-go, you knew that's what you wanted to do as a profession. I mean, did you ever, did you ever have other interests in sports? Did you ever have like, were you know, playing sports growing up or was it always like, you know, you knew right from the get-go that you wanted to build a business from the ground up. I mean, talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey from that regard, I guess. You know, as a, a small child, I would play yard football or yard softball with other kids, but I never had an interest in that as I got older. And I left home at the age of 15. So I always felt like there was so much that I was going to need to accomplish for domestic cats and that it was going to be very expensive to do that. And so even though you're right, that was my my mission in life, there's no money in that life. And so what I had to figure out how to do was to create enough wealth that I would be able to support that mission. 
And so I was doing things like working three jobs at a time. I was working waitressing jobs where I would work the morning shift at one place, a lunch shift at another place, and the midnight shift at another place. And then I went to work for the governor of West Virginia. And then I came down to Florida because it was snowing in West Virginia and I freaking hate snow. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I moved I'm to Florida. Oh my you too, huh? Yeah, well, I'm in New England, so there's tough oh. snow right now. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's tough. No, no, no. <laughs> Can't do it. Oh, I know. I don't know yeah. how many people live there. It's it's tough. I mean, we make the most of it. I mean, the sports teams are definitely keeping me up here right now. But uh, other than that, I might be moving down to Florida because that might be the go-to. But um, but yeah, that's crazy. I mean, good for you. I mean. You know, you built this business. You, I mean, you really established yourself as an entrepreneur. And I mean, would you say, um, you know, like with all the publicity and, and, you know, obviously the documentary of Tiger King, would you say that's helped your, you know, build more awareness for your business and, and your brand uh, together? Or, or do you, would you say that's, uh, you know, more of a grind for you to, to start? It's been a double-edged sword. Um, so... You know, when COVID-19 hit on March the 15th, the way that the sanctuary raises its money, and I have to raise between three and a half and $4 million every year just to keep the sanctuary afloat. And we have, you know, a wonderful team here. I had 20 employees. They were all working on things like, you know, making sure our donors felt appreciated and making sure our gift shop ran smoothly and our online sales ran smoothly and making sure we get two videos out there into the public at each week. And so we had all of these people doing all of this work all of our animal care has always been done by volunteers. So at least we didn't have to pay people to do that. And we have something like, we've always got between like 80 and 110 volunteers. So the animal care never suffers. But when COVID-19 hit, we couldn't have tours. And so, because our tours are like 20 people really close together and they listen to a tour guide telling them about the cats. And so you can't have people like right in your face. So we had to close our gates on March the 15th and that cut out over a million dollars worth of our revenue right off the bat. And then Tiger King came out five days later and it just, it painted such a horrific image of who I am and what sanctuaries do saying that they're no better than these backyard breeders who are breeding these animals and exploiting them and discarding them when sanctuaries are the exact opposite of zoos. Sanctuaries are rescuing animals from horrible situations. They don't buy them or breed them or sell them. Whereas the zoos are buying and breeding and selling. So the fact that so many people came away from Tiger King thinking that I was this horrific, home-wrecking, money-grubbing witch, or <laughs> most people use the other word <laughs> that rhymes with witch. <laughs> <laughs> including what seemed to have been my middle name for most of 2020. You know, we didn't know whether or not that would impact our ability to raise donations. And what we found is the people who already knew us knew that the things said about us in Tiger King were lies. And they, they came on even stronger and said, you know, we know you're having a hard time. We're going to give double, triple, sometimes five times what they had given before to help us through this difficult time. And so that's been really wonderful. But I've also had to do things like Dancing with the Stars and cameos and all of that to try and raise the shortfall that we are losing and losing that million dollars a year. So to say whether or not it's helped us financially, it hasn't helped. Whether it's helped our, our mission, uh, that, 
The jury's still out on that. I just don't know. We were so close to getting our federal bill passed last year. And then, you know, you had the election and you had all of the craziness. I mean, craziness. Everybody knows what a year 2020 was. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know if our bill would have already passed if it hadn't been for Tiger King last year or if that helped give some more momentum to it because people just, most of the people that I talked to said they couldn't believe that people would have 400 tigers in their backyard or that cub petting was a thing. And now they know after seeing Tiger King, everybody in the world knows that people really do keep hundreds of tigers in horrible situations. And they really do pump out these cubs hundreds at a time in order to feed this pay to play scheme. So I think it's been good in that respect. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, do you remember the first time hearing like about the documentary and like, were you, were you like surprised at how big it blew up? I mean, um, like you said, 2020 was a crazy year. I mean, for everyone, um, you know, like what was, what was going on through your head when, when you first heard the pitch and then when you first started watching, um, like the, the series, what, what was going on through your head? We work with documentary makers all the time at Big Cat Rescue, and we've never charged them to come. You know, if they're coming and they're doing anything that gets the word out about big cats, we are all about doing that. And so we had worked with this particular company for five years. And every time they wanted to come out, we'd take them around, answer all the questions. We'd turn them on to other people that were experts in the field that they could talk to about the issues. And there were several of these that were going on simultaneously. And so when they would ask me personal questions about my husband and him being missing and the things that these people were saying about me. And I'd say, why is that important to the, the big picture of, because what they said this was about was they said the name of it was gonna be Stolen Wildlife and it was going to be like Blackfish. It was going to show how all of these animals are suffering in captivity and how if the public would just quit paying to go see these animals in cages, it would stop the abuse. And so that's what we thought we were working on with them. And several others, like I said, actually were working on that. And some of those shows have come out. Some of them haven't come out yet. But when Netflix started teasing it with their trailers before it mm -hmm. came out, and we saw that it was called Tiger King, and it had you know a huge focus on Joe Exotic. And so we contacted the producers and we said, you said he was going to be like five minutes in this really big issue picture. And this thing seems to be all about just him and his craziness. Is this you guys? And all of a sudden they didn't want to talk to us. And so my husband and I did like everybody else apparently on the planet and we binge watched it <laughs> from the day that it launched. We yeah. watched it all the way through. And it had kind of followed a format of a Wondery podcast. Did you hear the Wondery podcast that came out the year before on the same topic? Yeah, I, I did. I did uh, see a little info about that. And, and the Tiger King was uh, based off that, right? A little bit. But yeah. Well, that's what we thought, because, you know, in Robert Moore's uh, Wondering podcast, what he said afterwards, he wanted the listener to go through the same experience he did. So he went there thinking Joe was this great charismatic guy and that he was just this fun loving cowboy that could sing and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And then he found out what was really happening is he started talking to other people and he found out that Joe was trying to kill me and Joe couldn't sing. He was hiring people to do it. And then he was taking credit for their music and all of the uh, trading and illegal stuff that he was doing with the cats. And so as he takes you through the Wondering uh, podcast, you're going along that same path that he is, where at first you think, oh man, this guy is so much fun. He's so great. 
And then you come to the end and you're like, oh my gosh, this just has to stop. We can't have people doing these kind of horrible things to tigers. And so that's what we thought Tiger King would be. That's why we watched it all the way to the end because we thought, well, surely they're going to get to the part where they say, you know, here's the truth about the matter. And they never did. And we were just, my husband and I were just gobsmacked. We just looked at each other and said, well, that was a missed opportunity. And all of a sudden my phone started ringing and it rang every two minutes for three months straight with people just screaming obscenities at me and saying how they wanted to kill me and how I had framed Joe and how I had horrible cages. Our cages are like 10 to 15 times the size of Joe's cages. <laughs> um, and they were wanting to kill the cats. They were wanting to kill my family. And when I'd say, you know, why do you want to kill the cats? And they'd say, well, you know, you should set them free or else kill them because they shouldn't be in cages. And I thought, you know, this really shows how little people know about the situation because sadly, if they have been born in captivity, they can't go free. We love being able to set free the, my daughter does a lot of our rehab, but we take in bobcats that have been injured, like I mentioned, and they get to go free because they were born in the wild, but it's not legal to do that with lions and tigers and leopards. And so people didn't realize that. And I absolutely agree. They don't belong in cages. So the problem I and mean, the way to fix that isn't to go around killing all the cats who are in cages, it's to stop the breeding of more cats in cages and let the ones that are there die out over time. And so that's what our federal bill does. It bans the cub petting, which is what drives all of that breeding. And if you can't pay to pet a cub or you can't sell the right to pet a cub, then there's no reason to be breeding all of these cats and discarding them. And then it'll phase out private possession. So it doesn't take away anybody's cat that they have now, but they can't buy another one or breed another big cat to have right. a good cat. And so I think that that will absolutely end the problem. And we think that that will actually happen this year. Yeah, no, well, you know, you guys are definitely making strides and, and for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, when you said your phone was ringing off the hook, I was stressed out for you. I mean, I was like, man, I can only imagine. Um, you know, like, like if you had the choice to, I mean, you talked about like building brand awareness and all the things that have come good and bad from Tiger King. Like if you could go back in time, like, would you, would you participate in the documentary again? Like if you had the opportunity to race the documentary, would you, do you think, or would you, or like, or would you do it again, do you think, and just make sure that it's the right mission? Well, there's no way that we could make sure that they would do the right thing because they told us they were doing the right thing all along and they lied and they ended up just doing what I think is such a betrayal to us because they knew the things I believe they knew the things that they were saying about me were not true because when they would ask me, well, you know, did you steal this money from his children? I'd be like, no, here's the court case. You can read it yourself. Well, they didn't go into any of that. They just said, I stole the money from the children and they let the children say that and then didn't have anything backing up any of the rebuttals that I had to it. So it was, it was a, <laughs> there's no way I could have made them do what was right. But my husband and I would answer your question, your question differently. My husband would say, absolutely not. I would never speak to Eric Good or Rebecca Chaclin if I had known that they were going to do this to us. I, I believe for me though, that everything happens exactly as it should. And everything, no matter how horrible that it may be in your life is leading you to some higher level of enlightenment or understanding or appreciation. 
And so I would still do it again, as hard as it was for me and as hard as it was for my family, because of the fact that I really think in the end, it will turn out to have been the best thing. Right. No, definitely, definitely. I mean, in terms of people reaching out, did you have people that you haven't spoken to in a while actually come to your defense and say, hey, like, you know, we're supporting you through this, you know, pretty crazy time. I mean, did you have a lot of, you know, did you have people that, that were supporting you? I mean, and, and you know, saying, hey, we, you know, we got your back, you know, we know this isn't true or, I mean. I did have a lot of that. Um, a lot of, of course, the supporters and the volunteers and the staff and everyone here, um, they of course came to our defense. And people that I had not heard from since grade school <laughs> found me after this and said, I know what kind of person you are. And yeah. I know that these things are not true. Just within the last couple of days, I got a, such a lovely email from some woman I had never met before. And she said, you know, I hear all of these people saying all these nasty things about you. And I think the tide is changing on that. But I just want you to know that there's about 200 of us out here in this group. And whenever we hear people saying nasty stuff about you, we call them on it and say, well, how do you know that? Did you just watch a TV show and now all of a sudden you know everything about her? Did you do any research? And so really calling people out for being so easily misled by what they see on TV. And I thought, how nice of that. These people that don't know me from anybody bothered to do research to find out who I was and then stood up for me. So that, that really made my day. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's awesome. I mean, I'm curious, like, if you had the opportunity to, like, do a cast reunion and, like, with the crew from Netflix or, or the other people that they interviewed and you were given the opportunity to share, you know, with them, hey, like, this is really what I do. Like, this is my business. This is who I am. Like, would you would you be up for, like, a reunion of some sort where you could sort of reconcile your difference and meet with, you know, Joe and Jeff and Doc again? Or, or would you just rather... Uh, keep moving forward. Those people all know where I stand on these issues. And they hate me because of the fact that I have been going after the abuses in this industry for the past 20 years. So they know that I am absolutely opposed to ripping cubs away from their mothers, pimping them out, and then either killing them or discarding them into pet homes. There's no way there's going to be any kind of common ground between us. And it's not like any of those people didn't know who I am and who they are. I mean, if you look at most of the cast, it, it's now you've got Tim Stark has now lost all of his animals. He's prohibited from ever having exotic animals again. He's lost his license. You've got Jeff Lowe, who is now under, uh, not under indictment, but he's got a lawsuit against him by the Department of Justice. And PETA's going after him for violations of the Endangered Species Act. Doc Antle is now in, has been indicted and his children have been indicted on wildlife trafficking and animal abuse charges. So all of those cast members yeah, from yeah. Tiger King, I mean, Joe's still in jail serving right. a 22 year sentence. Right. <laughs> those are not people who have any intention, I don't think, of changing yeah. their ways. Yeah, I yeah, think I that know. he could, though. I think he could really get his... his um, prison sentence reduced by a lot if he would just come out against all of these people that he knows are abusing these animals because they know each other intimately. Mario Tabro, he was another one that was in the show. He had been sent to jail for a hundred years for his mm -hmm. crimes and he went state's evidence and got out in 12. So I think Joe could do the same thing and I would applaud him for doing that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, have you 
had conversations with any of those cast members, I guess, since the documentary? Has have you had a conversation with Joe or called them or no, not, none of that? I had never spoken to Joe. This oh, whole wow. thing, yeah, this whole thing was <laughs> painted as a feud between me and Joe. And for Joe, it was very personal. I mean, you saw the stuff he said yeah. about me. But if you go back and watch Tiger King, I don't say anything about him personally in the show. And they couldn't make me say anything. They kept trying to make me say something about him. In fact, that whole thing about sardine oil, that was because Eric Good was saying, he was trying to get me to say that there was something you could pour on a person's clothes that would make a cat want to attack them. Because he had this scene where Joe had been attacked by the liger and it was dragging him across the field. And then Joe comes and says, oh, they put perfume on my shoes and made the cat do that. And it's like, when they asked me that, and I was like, no, putting perfume on his shoes, that's not going to make the cat attack him. <laughs> and they were like, well, what would make the cat attack him? And I'm like, there's nothing you could pour on your clothes that would make a cat attack you. And they just kept asking that question over and over and over. And they said, well, if you wanted the cat to like, you know, maybe accidentally bite you, what would you do? And I was like, well, maybe if you poured sardine oil on yourself or something. Yeah. And then that became this huge meme that everybody shared based on the fact that they had just harassed me into finding something that I could say that might make a cat bite you by accident. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it, it just sounds crazy. Like I get stressed out thinking about like, you know, what, I mean, what you have to deal with. I mean, in terms of how has your daily life changed in terms of operating a business before Tiger King and after, like in terms of like your daily schedule and, you know, all the press and, you know, people like me try to interview you and, and, I mean, talk about that and, and doing Dancing with the Stars, as you said, and I mean, all these juggling, all these different things, like talk about how everything just changed for you once that documentary came out, just in strictly in terms of operating a business. Well, from the operation of the sanctuary, like I said, we had to close, but that was both COVID and Tiger King. We had mobs of people coming to the gate because they had seen Tiger King. So we didn't know when those people were coming to the gate, were these the people who were posting, because there were a number of people that were posting things like storm big cat rescue and take over big cat rescue and burn down big cat rescue. So we didn't know when we'd see 50 or hundred people out there, were these people that were coming here to hurt the cats or were these people that just saw the TV show and they're like, hey, I'd like to go see that place. And we didn't know how to deal with them. And so we had to do things like put up extra barricades to keep people further back from the, from the sanctuary. We took down all of our street signs out of the street that say like Big Cat Rescue this way. Um, we ended up having to put in more security systems to be able to watch for people coming over the walls and stuff like that. Right now, even I've got out there people that are putting more layers of barbed wire on the outside of our fence We'd always had barbed wire going inside so the cats wouldn't go out. Now we got to worry about crazy people coming in. So we're yeah. spending money on that. Um, as far as doing Dancing with the Stars, you know, that was going to take me away from here for a long time. And I was really concerned about that. But my daughter runs the sanctuary. She's been doing this since she was 12. She's 40 now. And so she makes sure all of the things that happen at the sanctuary get done as far as the cat care and the medical care and the rehab work and all of that. So all I really get involved with um, in my role is trying to get the laws changed and dealing with our donors and sending out emails to alert people whenever there's a horrible situation going on. And those are things I can do from anywhere. So I was able to do those while I was out in Hollywood. 
the licensing things that have come along like cameo or yeah <laughs> yeah YouTube dolls yeah yeah <laughs> my husband and i at our wedding <laughs> that's funny that's oh man that's hilarious yeah. that that's gotta be i mean you you gotta love that right i mean is it cool seeing like these little toys and and doing those cameos too because um you know i've seen some some legendary ones i mean i saw um the shout out to jake paul um <laughs> for cameo i mean did you have an interaction with him after that video or no i haven't had any interaction with him other than him purchasing the cameo but i had seen that he had done a video where he was really mean to me and so when he when he ordered the cameo I, you know my first thought was i'm not going to do that for the guy he was so mean to me and i thought you know what i'm just going to put it in the cameo what i feel and so i was like you were really mean to me but i'm going to show you i can take the high road and so <laughs> here we go and so he used it in his little program but um we haven't talked before or since, so I don't know <laughs> what he's done with it. But it, it's been fun for me as far as the cameos go because it's given me some insight into people's lives that I just never would have had otherwise. And there was one yesterday that was just so sad. A man contacted me because his wife is on a ventilator with COVID-19. And he said, I just need somebody that can cheer her up. And I, I felt so honored to be brought into their family to try and do that at this critical moment. And there's been a number of different companies. Apparently there's been some like stocks that I didn't realize I was recommending because I didn't know they were stocks. <laughs> I, I saw that, I saw that. <laughs> What's your reaction behind that? I mean, that must've been pretty funny for you. I mean, that must've been pretty cool. Well, my reaction is just like, what? Because what I thought I was doing on both of those um, is they had a lot of times companies will call me and ask me to or contact me through Cameo asking me to do something for like one of their corporate events, or they're going to have a zoom call with their members or something like that. And so that's what I thought I was doing was just getting their people all revved up. I had no idea they were intending to use that to get people to invest in the stock market, which I I would not do that because I don't know anything about stock. And I would have said I don't know anything about stock. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's funny though. That is funny. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even know about it and then I saw it today. I was like, that that's hilarious. That's funny. I mean, in terms of like, you know, cameo and you're you're you know involved now and you know, you're you're like this big icon now. I mean, you know, with cameo and, and dancing with the stars. Um, you know, is there is there any are, are there any interactions that you've had with celebrities or have they reached out to you um in terms of hey, I like what you're doing or um, you know, obviously like the Jake Paul cameo was one instance, but were the, was there other interactions or small instances where you were, you know, had a conversation with a celebrity or, or um, you know, so, someone else in the Hollywood scene that that's, you know, praised your efforts and, and, and whatnot? You know, right after Tiger King came out, like within the first couple of weeks, and as you can imagine, in the first couple of weeks after Tiger King came out, we had something like 250 different media outlets that reached out wanting to do a story about Tiger King. And I was just so overwhelmed. It was like, I'm never talking to the media again after what these people did yeah. to me. Yeah. So it took me a while to kind of get over that and start taking, taking uh, interviews. But one of the people that contacted me did a really good job of getting past all of my no, 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 no filters. And what he does, and I thought this was so, I didn't even know this kind of thing happened. So like every week he gets on a Zoom call with like 20, 25 different celebrities that he knows really well. And they just kind of all de-stress with each other about what their lives are about. And he said, I'd love for you to be on this Zoom call with us. And so 
I it, part of the uh, criteria of being on the Zoom call is I can't say who was on the Zoom call. One of the people who was on the Zoom call has since said I was on the Zoom call with her, but I didn't. I didn't say that. She said that. Um, but what was so nice about being on the call with these celebrities was they were all they were people who had already been through what I was just about to experience. And what they wanted to do was to give me advice as far as saying, don't take it personally. The media is going to say horrible things about you. They just love to make up all of these kinds of conflicts. And they're, you're going to see yourself saying all kinds of stuff you never said. <laughs> and they're just going to have a field day with it. And just don't let it get to you. Don't read the news. Don't read a magazine. Don't pay any attention to the paparazzi because they are just wicked. And I didn't have any appreciation for what that was like until it started happening. And all of a sudden I read articles where I'm saying all kinds of stuff. And it's like, I never said that in my life. And they'd have me having these huge battles like with Cardi B where we never spoke to each other. And so it, it was really wonderful of them to take the time to reach out to me and say, be prepared. Here's what your life's going to be like for the next little bit. Right. And I kept thinking, you know, this 15 minutes of fame has got to be over soon. Surely this is not going to go on. And I'm really surprised that people are still talking about Tiger King. But um, it, it was very helpful to have that. And then there's been a few people like Kim Kardashian dressing up as me for Halloween. And so I thought that was really nice of her to do that. And every time any of these people have done anything, all of the people on Dancing with the Stars, they were absolutely amazing. And I've done a follow-up podcast with Ann Haight and her partner. Um, they've just been so gracious and so understanding because they know what it's like to never be able to go out in public. You can't go anywhere or do anything without being mobbed. And for people who want to be in show business and they want to be adored and they want people coming up asking for their autographs and asking for selfies and all that kind of stuff, even for them, I think it's got to get really old when you just can't do any, you can't even drive across town. I use an app on my phone called Waze. Yeah, have you ever used I have it? that, yeah. I didn't know when I signed up for it years ago, I signed up as Carol Baskin. I didn't know how it was people were figuring out every time I was on the road, they knew where I was and they would all like gather around me and they're all videotaping me. And I'm like, how do these people know that it's me? And it was like, oh, cause your phones, <laughs> it's Carol Baskin right there at that intersection. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. You were probably like, wait, what the heck? Like, why is everyone that's probably I it was being followed. <laughs> Wow, that that's wow. I didn't even know they had that where like you could actually follow like a particular person. That's like weird. That's crazy. So well, I think probably what happens is people would look down on their phone, you know, like a, a traffic jam or something. They'd be like, oh my gosh, there's Carol Baskin. And then they'd all just kind of zoom in on it. Man, that's so funny. Was there one instance where like some crazy person was like, hey, over here, over here? Like, did you? I mean, there are probably so many crazy stories about that. I <laughs> love this, well, you know, from the Waze app, I think the most unusual to me was when we had to go up and take over the GW Zoo in um, Oklahoma. We drove up there because we didn't want to be exposed to COVID by flying. And it was during that trip, it was like, we are in the middle of like Oklahoma. <laughs> Does anybody here know yeah. who I am? Or, you know, you'd think maybe around town they might know my truck or something. But the most, um, 
the scariest part of the, that kind of notoriety is when people do see me on mostly I'm riding back and forth from work on my bike and they recognize me and then they start filming. And when you're driving, if you're focused on something, you tend to drive toward it. And so they'll be filming me and then driving toward me to where they've actually run me off the road several times. And then they get about and apologize and say, oh, I just wanted to get a selfie. And it was just like, I don't know if this person was trying to kill me. And now they're going to finish me off because there's still all these people that hate me. Or is it really just a fan? And so I'm just like always in this fight or flight mode, not knowing what people are up to. Because people are probably always, even now, like if they see you, like they probably want a selfie or a picture, like even now you're probably like, all right, I just want a break. <laughs> like, like, you know, like it's probably, that's probably brutal. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, like, so, you know, since the topic of celebrities and if they were to make a movie about you and you were to direct it, who would you um, want to portray, um, you know, as yourself in, in the film, if you were to direct a movie? Um, which actress would you would you choose? You know, I thought that Kate McKinnon was such a interesting choice because she's so much younger and so much prettier than I am, but she's really great at impersonations. And I have some really bizarre tics, like, you know, the way I roll my eyes and stuff, that she will probably do a great job of those kinds of imitations. But if I were to choose somebody that I thought was actually like, you know, my age and my temperament, it'd probably be more like Meryl Streep than somebody that is... Um, more known for humor. <laughs> no, Meryl Streep's awesome. Meryl Streep's awesome, and cracking up jokes like crazy. So that's that's great. Um, I to wrap it up, I guess it's the Super Bowl this weekend, and close to uh, to to the stadium. I mean, I'm curious, who do you got? Bucks, um, Chiefs. Our um, operations manager, Afton Tazler, is a huge Chiefs fan, and she's also the person in charge of doing our videography. When COVID and Tiger King happened, we had to let go of half of our staff. So we had 20, now we have 10, and the 10 of us are working twice as hard. So now she's both operations manager and our film crew, and she just loves the Chiefs. And so what we did was we created... um, paper mache enrichment for one of our Tigers Duchess to let her choose who was going to be the winner of the Super Bowl. We had the big Bucks thing. We had the big Chiefs thing. And she chose the Chiefs, which makes me wonder if Afton may have put a little bit more catnip on the Chiefs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, you probably want the Bucks though. I mean, because you're from Tampa and I mean, you're you're probably rolling with TB12, right? I'm from New England. So I I want want Brady to get his... uh, seventh ring for sure i mean are, are you a tb12 fan a little bit or not nah? i am not a sports fan that's why i thought this was really bizarre that you would even <laughs> want to talk to me <laughs> and i have been all over the news because of the fact that i think it's really irresponsible for people to be meeting in huge football stadiums during covid19 and especially i didn't even think about this until i saw an ad that was being done by a local bucks fan where all these people from Kansas, where they don't believe that we're actually in a pandemic, are coming in here, not wearing masks, doing tailgating parties, going out to bars. And I just know that two weeks after the Super Bowl, we are gonna see such a huge uptick in people dying here because they went to a game. And there's a time for that, but this is not it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, I I know Florida's, you know, really like a lot of people, like. Clubs and bars are all open, right? So it's like it's probably even even the Super Bowl and even bigger events probably like crazy. Um, 
you know, is, are you going to be watching the game, do you think? Or do you kind of like, eh, you know, I'm, I got better things to do. <laughs> no, I've never been one to watch the games. But you know what? I think virtual reality is the way games are going to go in the future, where you can be like out there on the field running alongside of them if you want to. And you can have a whole lot better view of everything that's happening because it'll all be in virtual and augmented reality. And I think stadiums are just going to become a thing of the past as far as people getting into a big, you know, having to park your car and walk for three days to get to your seat. And then you have to walk for an hour to get a beer and to go to the bathroom. It's like, why are people doing that when we have virtual reality? Right. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, for sure. I mean, do you have a favorite fan experience of the last time you've ever been to a game or ever watched a game? I mean, I know you're not a huge sports fan, but is there ever a fan experience that comes to mind for you or... Um, ever pops up we've had the um tampa bay lightning come here to the sanctuary before and do a work project but that's about it (laughs) and the players came and and you met them and everything and i didn't because i'm not a sports fan but at the time we had a operations manager that was a guy and he was really into hockey and so he was like, you know, all lit up about the people that he met that came out, but I couldn't have told you who they were for anything. <laughs> no, that's awesome, though. That's awesome. I mean, good for you. I mean, the sanctuary is doing you know, great things and, you know, you're, you're killing it. So thank you so much for taking the time and, uh, you know, really appreciate it, Carol. Um, if there's any way I could support you or the sanctuary, uh, feel free to reach out. Love to send you and uh, Howard some merch. Uh, if you want <laughs> wild chat hat. I love the name. Love the I name. I, think it's I, I had to do it. I had to do That's why it was perfect. I mean, cats, wild chat. I mean, was, <laughs> I had, that's why I had to reach out to the legend Carol Baskin. So, um, you know, appreciate it. Um, I'll keep looking out for those cameos and, uh, keep, uh, yeah, like I said, if there's any way I can support, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Just super appreciative. And, um, thank you so much. Cool cats. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks again, Carol. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.